0: Hey guys, as promised, this is the main interview with Cheetah. If you skipped over the pre interview, there is still time to go and check that out. It's up. I know you saw it, you skipped it, or you listened to it, and now you're here. Either way, enjoy the main interview. I started it right after we were done eating. So here we go
1: canceled
0: first of all you're already canceled in several countries in some cancellation country, in some countries if you just hang a picture of you that's execution my dear, <laughs> dear you're up for cancellation so uh just try and like speak in this direction when, or whatever
1: when i lived in new york there was a party called was this a motherfucker? I think it was a motherfucker party. It was at this place called Kitchen. And I was one of the judges in a pageant type thing they were doing. It was like an alternative drag pageant. They were doing it. Mistress for Micah was the host. And as she was introducing everybody and she got to me, she was like, I don't even want to say her name or we'll get shut down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is so funny. It was
1: when Giuliani was cracking down on like nightlife and everything. So, But she was like, I don't even want to say her name or we're going to get shut down. <laughs> and, and I was like... Oh thank you. That's a very that's a high compliment.
0: (laughs) And that's Rudy Giuliani for those of you who don't know. Cancelled. Yeah, you wanna talk about cancelled Trump's lawyer, mayor of New York, who was there for nine eleven and has made sure that nobody forgets ever since. Well cancellation. Cheetah Daniels Kennedy, welcome to the Grego Show. Hi everybody. Hi Grego. Goddamn time, right?
1: I know, I know. I mean, I have been on even using the mice. Snippets. <laughs> snippet here, snippet there.
0: Yeah. So I'm hoping you don't hate me.
1: Well, I figured you were just waiting for me to be relevant again. <laughs> and you are, so
0: hello. I am here. <laughs> Relevance. <laughs> well, you're always relevant. Oh,
1: you're sweet. Thank you. I think we do need, let's let's ask. We're going to need another pomegranate craft mimosa thing. No pomegranates! No! 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 No pomegranates!
0: Uh, For this interview, have you ever had elderberry? I
1: do. You want the elderberry this I time? I don't know. I don't know. Do what you want it to tastes try like. It? Um. We, another crack? we do want another cup, but we want to try the elderberry because he's never had. I don't it know before.
0: what it tastes like though.
1: I think it's good. An elderberry, okay. yeah. elderberry is
0: good for your immune system. Okay. We'll take the
1: elderberry. Yes. Okay. I'll get some alcohol yes, yes, yes. that's good for you want to just add it onto system. that one, yeah, we'll do it right Thank now. Thank you so much. Thank wow, you. Course, well, you know I've always wanted to do a show where I just go to lunch. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this is kind of it. Yeah. Lunch or dinner, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just sit and eat and drink,
0: Um, my favorite things. I wanted to bring my camera because I've been wanting to do more video stuff, but I'm just like, dude, how much can I carry around with me? But remember we had that idea like a couple of years ago? Yeah, dinner with Cheetah. Dinner
1: with Cheetah, and we were just sitting...
0: Which may or may not end up happening.
1: Well, you know, and I I realized that, you know, if I want to keep doing Cheetah, it can't just be, you know, nightclub gigs. Um, That I do have to create other avenues for me to do cheetah you know so i i've been thinking about all those old ideas again and i know that you know i need to start putting some of that into motion um, yeah because i don't want to say waiting around for gigs you know at clubs or you know it's just i don't want that to be the only outlet for you know my drag and
0: well, with covid it's shown that like but you need
1: other outlets you know yeah and luckily for me during COVID, i was working so i didn't have to rely on my drag for income and i was very privileged you know to have um that be a fact you know in my life you know i i, I worked the whole time and um i didn't I kind of put drag aside during that time, and now that things are opening up again, you know, I am getting gigs, and I'm excited for that, and of course I want the gigs, I don't want to say that I don't want to do any of that stuff, but I do think that there's, there needs to be more at this point, you know.
0: Well, Sorry it's okay. It's, it's okay.
1: If you ever have an experience less than this, feel free to let me know. It's just uh, Maddie and I managing. And uh, as much as I like to be everywhere all the time, I can't always be. So yeah, no we'll, problem. We'll do whatever we can to so make well, sure. We'll that be like, we know the
0: manager! <laughs>
1: can I speak to the manager?
0: <laughs> I'll just call. <laughs>
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, um, Cheetah Daniels Kennedy, yeah. you are my drag mother. It's true. Um, as well as the mother of. How many? I don't... Have you ever even tried to count?
1: I mean, you know, a lot of people call me mom. And uh, I love it. And if you call me mom, I'm your mother. That's all there is to it, you know.
0: Well, now I feel bad because I was going to be shady and I was going to say that uh, some are probably too quick.
1: Oh, (laughs) No, no, no. If, If someone looks up to me in that way, you know, I'm honored that, you know, they do and that they claim me... You know,
0: that's true. It doesn't
1: necessarily even have to be a, um, you know, really close relationship outside of the drag. You know, outside of drag, it's just that they were inspired and want to be like in that vein. You know, have that style, and and I do think it is something. You know, specific. You know, I see it in the girls. Um, you know, the, the influence that I've had on their performance style or their fashion sense or just the way they go about conducting their business. And that... And, of course, they put their own spins on it and they're completely original, but they borrow and they use what they learned from me to as a jumping-off point, and that I just can't... I, I couldn't be more happy about, you know?
0: I want to go into some of uh, where you were before Stonewall, like the... things that put the feather in your cap for the san marcos identity that we all know and love
1: well when stonewall started i felt very strongly that i needed to be a part of that because of my experience in nightlife in new york city because i was there with the real legends of drag i'm not trying to like you know, say that I was on their level or anything, but I was there. I was learning from them. I was You
0: performed in their in the cards that w- were with them. Yes. So it yeah. was like I mean you know, I was
1: there and and I was up and coming. I was new. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Were I, you a bitch I, back then too? I, well I mean <laughs> you know it might not have been, you know, part of my persona, you know, publicly, but certainly behind the scenes, you know, it was rough you know because i wanted to be so perfect and i still do you know but you can't always be perfect and the hardest part is just getting ready and getting to the gig for me for Mm. others that's not the hard part um once i'm there i feel pretty good once i have to actually get on stage that's the part where and once you're
0: off of stage and and once i'm
1: off stage once it's over that's the best part of the show is the after yeah you know the after show so, but leading up to it, yeah, you know, if something doesn't go quite right or if I'm running late, you know, yeah, that part of it's hard and I can imagine that anyone who's been around me during that would say, God, what a bitch, you know, but part of me, it's just part of the process. It's not always like that, you know, sometimes it's easier than others, but sometimes, you know, it can be a touchy, you know, touchy situation. So
0: I kind of have a question slash theory and... Um, out of all of your children, would you say that I've seen you in your bitchiest the most?
1: I have directed my bitchiness towards you the most, yes. <laughs> and that means that I love you the most.
0: <laughs> there we go. That's it. That's the interview. All you mad bitches, get in my DMs because that's... <laughs> This was all a facade. I just wanted to get that on tape. We're done.
1: (laughs) Oh wait, Mars, I'm sorry. (laughs)
0: Tasha. (laughs) Tasha, I'm sorry. Tequila.
1: Tequila, May, Veronica.
0: All you bitches. Morocco. Oh well, oh, there
1: you go. Uh, our Miss Morocco is doing
0: so well in the BK. Yeah, I'm happy for her. I am so When I saw the flower in the hair, I was like, "There we go." She represents me, and she proudly
1: represents me. And 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 the things that we talked about and we learned during the lip sync battle, she's putting them into use in New York City. And I am so. It's amazing to see that, you know, because that's my drag mother coming through her, yeah. you know, as well. And and she's doing it. She's going to get a show at Club Cummings. You know, yeah. like, that is amazing. She wanted me to come up this month, but I just wasn't able to work it out time-wise. And I'm going to go to New York to be at my daughter's show. And my daughter's going to bring me back to New York. I did something yeah. right. That's you know? awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you mentioned your drag mother before. That's Sweetie from New York. Can you uh, fill in the children who might not know about well, Sweetie? Well,
1: Sweetie is an amazing... Was an amazing drag performer and presence in New York City from the early... Maybe... It was the very early 90s, you know, up until, you know, her, her passing, which was in 2017. And she's, you know, was amazing. I don't think I've ever seen anyone on stage who gave so much heart and um, she was loved by everyone. Um, was she rotten? And she could be absolutely rotten. The sense of humor was definitely politically incorrect.
0: Cancelable. Cancelled.
1: Cancelled canceled to the grave. To the, I mean, oh my God! But I have never laughed so hard in my entire life. Of course, this was the '90s Do you have and an everything. Example of one of her I'm not going things? to talk about the things that she would talk about being canceled because this is it's 2021 now. And there's a lot of things well, that we gotta think about.
0: To so. be honest, it really doesn't matter. I've already kind of put my stake in the ground with this podcast that I don't like... give a fuck because <laughs> um, most of the people who do care about cancellation in my experience are nothing but career jumping. it's better. The elderberry is great. It's mm-hmm. I, I liked it. That's a, we got delicious. elderberry mimosa before we had pomegranate, but this elderberry is it's like It's sweeter. It's the shit. It's sweeter. Um, Although it
1: seems like there's something, like a little gnat yeah. floating around. It's okay, the gnat won't kill it you. It adds
0: much. flavor. It adds a little flavor. No, it's Maybe not that's... a gnat, actually. It's like a seed. Oh, okay. It's like a
1: poppy seed. Excellent. Yeah. So, Sweetie Popper was amazing. Sweetie was amazing. And um, one of the biggest things that she was known for is that she is in Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. She is the MC of the pageant at the beginning that, you know... Um, that Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes tie for the championship and and all the girls that were contestants were the New York City like luminaries you know some of the best queens out there and she got kind of a big part amongst all the New York queens and that really kind of like elevated her status in the new york drag scene um but again she's well known for so many other things a great actress a great hostess a great comedian an amazing performer and a sweet soul off stage so much warmth gave the best hug that you'll ever 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 have and i think about her every single day and when i sit down at my makeup table and if i have doubts I feel insecure. I'm like, you're sweetie's daughter. You learn from the best. Get it together. Go. Keep going. So she was a huge influence on my life. She didn't always like me. I was a problem child.
0: I was about to say, you kind of got the brunt of a lot of her stuff.
1: I was a problem child, and um, I thought I knew everything. And she put me in my place a lot, and I needed it, and I didn't always appreciate it. And um <laughs> she would be happy to know that this has come back tenfold to me <laughs> now that I am a mother oh of so many children. Yeah. That's <laughs> definitely been, a way to put it. There have been many a time when my daughters were like, That bitch is full of shit. <laughs> I know better than her. But that's okay, that's part of the process. And I do believe that maybe down the road they'll realize, oh no, she was she was trying to do me a solid. Yeah. You know And I've already seen it, I've already seen it. Some of the girls that I was hardest on during our Lip Sync Battle Stonewall days have made the biggest strides, you know. And I feel really lucky to have had this opportunity to mentor and meet so many amazing, talented human beings you know, who come into my orbit, so
0: the way that i've always kind of thought about sweetie just from what you've Mm -hmm. said about her is almost kind of like lady bunny
1: i mean they're you know they were almost contemporaries lady bunny is slightly before sweetie's time just like a little bit but they were on the same sort of level there you know um and it's interesting that you, you bring up lady bunny it's like the only person that i ever saw sweetie sort of like I don't know how to say this uh, sort of be have a little more reverence for or be a little like I'll take a step back yeah was with Bunny yeah I had never if if sweetie was there she was the attraction she was the biggest entertainer in the room she was the you know the star and the focus and it was only with Bunny that I ever saw her sort of like take a little bit of backseat, backseat yeah. with a, an entertainer. In a,
0: in a lot of ways, I think Lady Bunny in kind of like gay history and lore, for those of you who don't know, Lady Bunny has done basically everything. It's why you're doing drag. Yeah. And, I mean, movies, music, DJing, like comedy, irreverence, everything that you know that kind of like encompasses a drag queen. I would say that like Divine was also kind of a huge, a huge part of that as well. I think that like Lady Bunny is kind of like the Divine that is still living in a lot of ways.
1: Lady Bunny is the real motherfucking deal, obviously, that goes without saying. I mean, I don't know anything else to say. A true... Original, yeah. Um, a brand, um, a force of nature. Um,
0: she's not a person. An inspiration. She's a lifestyle. I mean, it <laughs> is
1: so much. It is so much, and I am grateful for it. I'm grateful that I got to be near it. Uh, I'm grateful. She, she's a part of my like psyche. The Lady Bunny. I, I. I I probably think about her every day too for some reason, you know. Um, so yeah. And and I like I said, I got to be close to all of that and kinda of rub elbows against that. I, I, I don't I don't claim to have been on their level when I was in New York City. I really was new. But I was that was my drag you. That was my, you know, learning experience, you know.
0: It was and your Stonewall.
1: It was my it was my lip sync battle at Stonewall, you know, uh, learning how to do drag. And it didn't really come into focus for me until I started doing Stonewall, where I finally knew, I could finally confidently say to myself, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You really know what you're doing. You learned from Sweetie. You were in New York City, you know, you've been practicing and thinking about it and honing in your skills this whole time, you know what you're doing. And and that being said, you know, as Stonewall went along, there were definitely some peaks and valleys, but there was sort of an apex of it, you know, where it was like, you know, at its zenith, so to speak, and then you know, it started to you know, there was a little bit of a downturn, just not with the shows or with the uh, success of it but with my sort of desire for it and that's when I knew I was really good because I could throw it together and still be at a certain level yeah you know I knew that I had it in my back pocket this part of it and I think that's for me the big one of the biggest lessons is that whenever I do take some time off or have a show after you know I I have to tell myself when I start feeling those things, like, oh, this is not maybe up to standard or whatever. Bitch, it's going to work out. You're going to do it. You're going to get there. You always do. And once you get there, you do it, you know? And you do what you do. Sorry about the sirens. They're looking for me.
0: We're literally, like, right next to a firehouse Mm -hmm. on the other side. Because
1: my pussy's on fire. (laughs) My strong pussy is on fire
0: thank you so much for sharing your background i it i feel like a lot of the people who listen to this will understand now at least because to a lot of people you are kind of like this legend that they don't completely they don't know, know
1: why they I'm don't a know yeah <laughs> she's old no
0: <laughs> she's no. experienced
1: well you know so i i all of these people that i got to be around you know i worked intimately with peppermint you know uh, milan i you know was friendly and worked with justin bond and sweetie and lady they- bunny and candace king you know like now i'm not saying that they were my best friends or anything and we worked with each other every week but i like i said again i was there and these people are still
0: in the entertainment industry doing it and working who's the one that does the song parodies that we saw in Austin?
1: Sherry Vine. Sherry Vine. Of course. Like genius. And these girls, you know, they were famous worldwide before drag They were famous. Before social media. Yeah, before social they were famous because they did the work and they put themselves out there and they went and they got it. And that is impressive. I don't want to especially dim- now i don't want to diminish you know the influence of drag race or what the girls do with it once they get that platform because it is awesome and it is why we're all doing drag right now and it's now. a new way
0: to do the work and
1: it's a new way to do the work so this is an amazing thing i'm just you just need to give props to girls like jackie beach sherry vine Jean merman coco peru
0: who had to do it. you know who had to do
1: it without this huge worldwide platform and they were doing it you know peppermint was among that group as well i mean there's so many queens who just did it And i was always like how did they do it i still haven't figured it out you know i work a real day job i've never you know it was only for a short period of time at stonewall where that was all i did but even that gig was still tied up and other things like promoting and social media and booking you know it wasn't just i wasn't just making a living off of my drag performances it it was other things that still supplemented that so i've never really been able to make myself
0: a living just
1: a living where i just do drag i've always had another gig or you know so that differentiates me from a lot of you know professional drag queens, but I still have done the work, you know, yeah. and I'm still good at my craft, and I still seek the opportunities, and I still get the opportunity to perform and, and, and be in that ultimate presentation of Cheetah Daniels Kennedy.
0: I also think that, like, if it does end up becoming a living for certain people, like, it's easy to say, like, being able to make a living off of it is... Ideal, you know, but at the same time, you never know how circumstances and situations will change, and maybe sometimes you wouldn't be in the mood to do it.
1: Well, I mean, and that's just what happened, you know, with COVID, all of a sudden, you know, people who just did gigs, you know. It was gone. God bless them. It was gone. And my heart was, like, hurting. But even people who were successful. Yeah. You know, really, really, really successful, who had big worldwide tours, you know, and I'm talking about some of the Drag Race girls, they were put on hold,
0: too. Even, like, for me, I was, like, you know, the only person in Austin who I think could really come, like, really, really have some beef with COVID in terms of not being able to... Sustain a living by not touring was Miss Purchase.
1: Well, and then she made an, an amazing pivot. Exactly. Because. With digital drag. The, the the originality, the talent, you know.
0: All the ingredients all were there. All
1: the ingredients are there for Miss Louisiana Purchase. It's ordained, and then she does the work. She yeah. does the work, and it is. Fabulous and beautiful She's when so you great. get to see it. I mean, it is an event. Her every post is an event. It is. is you know, I mean, I come
0: on. I, I love her so much that I can't even watch some of her stuff because I know I will be overwhelmed.
1: I know how much you love her, and yes, I'm jealous. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I love you, Louisiana Purchase. God bless you, girl. God
0: bless you. I, re- mm. <laughs> I remember. You know, it did feel fucked up to have her. On before you, but I was just like, this. <laughs> this
1: needs to happen again. It's all about revelance. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank who God you're doing more? shit
0: now. I'm
1: gonna God, I'm revelant again <laughs> for the moment before
0: she disappears, and people are like, what happened to Chita Daniels Kennedy? Again, again. That would be like the second uh, or third time, right?
1: Uh, well, definitely. You know, I mean, but I always say to the girls who I know, I like, sort of have it in their blood. They're born to do drag. A lot of people do it because they want to experiment, have a little fun, you know, and and you know. But there are some girls who it's just like, God, they're they're born with this thing inside of them, you know. Yeah. And I always tell you it's gonna ebb and flow, child, you know.
0: Like with hentai.
1: Well, you know, I always thought that drag as a medium, as a, for art, wouldn't be able to contain all of her talents. You know, and sure enough, you know, she started producing her own music and And her music. And why did she start to change her brand and everything? And her music, amazing. And it was just one step towards some other. It was just one step towards some other artistic expression for, you know, hentai, site music, you know, like it was just. and And then it's always there too. If she ever they ever want to be hentai again just to lip sync a great number and look fabulous that is available at yeah, any moment at whenever any moment. they feel
0: like it people would you know, are like you know wanting to see it again yeah
1: you know and and and, and they have the right to you know, decide that yeah, I'm gonna do this for a little bit like this, you know. Just like you have the right to say, I need to take a break from it. Exactly. And and I have done that many times in my, you know, career doing drags, you know. What Um, I think
0: is interesting about that though is that there are some people who think that like taking a break is a sign of weakness or a failure. But absolutely not because I think in no matter what profession or job it is that you have your mental health has to come first and foremost. Absolutely, because if, Absolutely. You, if you're not serving it towards your own purpose, what the fuck are you doing?
1: Well, you also can't produce the work or, or, or be in your power if you're yeah. depleted and not, you know, having fun. If, you're, if you become uninspired, I mean, that's that's really that's really, the, that's that's the really what that happened happen. to me. On my own personal level as a drag artist, I wasn't uninspired by the kids or the parties we were doing at Stonewall, uh, the work that everyone was doing. That that was inspiring to me. My own participation as Cheetah Daniels Kennedy in it was where I felt like I was waning, you know, and that I wasn't able for... Maybe I was just stretched too thin to really be all that I can be as Cheetah. And that's sort of what this return, as things are opening up, as I'm starting to get to perform again, you know, it's about, okay, now it's time for you to focus on yourself and your art and, you know, making some new things for Cheetah.
0: I mean, you have, I have all of this, um, these new pairs of shoes. I,
1: have all, I have Just all the shoes that I'm getting, but you know, but I have like a repertoire, a reputation. I have some things that I'm known for and everything. But now it's to build and to grow that lifestyle persona brand, um, and I just keep going. You know,
0: that's always my motto. I just keep going. I just keep doing it. Um, I wanted to get into how you ended up here and it's funny to say ended up here because you grew up here. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's hilarious to me because
1: yeah, ended up here has a certain connotation. Yeah. And 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 here is a beautiful place.
0: San Marcus is fucking paradise.
1: San Marcus is a paradise. Uh, the spring for the San Marcos River comes up right in the middle of town. It is creation and life springs from the earth. They in San Marcos. they literally say
0: it's like one of the earliest inhabited civilizations in all in, of the world in uh in North America North America no. yeah so like my parents always want me to go back and I told my dad I was like dad there is something about that river and he you know what like my mom she's like I always want you back and like mm-hmm. she acts like she doesn't understand but my dad was like no I get it yeah like just being around that water
1: and and you know so from the time when I left for New York City in 94, San Marcos was a certain place. When I came back in 2002, I could tell that something had changed, that my people were here, that I didn't necessarily have to move to another big metroplex like Los Angeles to pursue creative dreams in my particular field. I could tell that something was happening here and that I could be a part of it. I mean, it percolated for years and took you know, time to take shape, But it it did, and I'm so glad that I didn't just make a pit stop here and then go off to some place that is seemingly more fabulous. Because Sam Marcus became fabulous, you know? And I was right there at the right time, you know? And I helped make that part of the case. And I'm so proud of that. It wouldn't
0: have been that without you, either. I
1: mean, and that's why when Stonewall was opening, I you know, jumped on it and said, hey, I can help. I can be here. I mean, I even, you know, scaled it all the way back to, at the very least, tell me when opening night is and I'll come dressed up so someone, you know, will be pretty in the room, you know? <laughs> you know, like, I didn't I didn't have a really, like, a, a complete plan for exactly what I wanted to do when Stonewall opened. I just knew that I needed to be a part of it some yeah. way and that I became such a big part of it you know, it became it became pretty obvious to me in those first couple of months that oh I needed to
0: really take this opportunity yeah. and run.
1: And I did, you know.
0: I think it's funny that you say that because I, I've talked with Tasha about this before, about like how I was messaging Chris Brew before Stonewall even um, was officially open mm-hmm. saying like, can I help put stuff up? Because I think they posted the picture of Dolly Parton inside, oh, yeah. and I was like, I just know that I need to have some kind of part in building or helping this and place you, build.
1: You absolutely did. I mean, think about it. I know we've talked about this before. You actually had the idea. <laughs> for the very first party at Stonewall Warehouse before I ever even met you you had you know created or thrown the seat out for an event and it was huge and it was huge it was one of the best parties in a nightclub that I had ever been to in San Marcos, and it was hosted I lived by in, and it was hosted by me. It's wild, you know, and that that little idea of that because it was it was Battle of the Divas, that little idea that you had. I can't tell you how many weeks I worked on it you know to get it right to to be I was Tina and then I was Donna you know like and I I labored over it you know and I wanted to be so good and so right and it was we had an amazing evening and we didn't even know each other yet but you had already influenced that so you are there from the beginning of the I always say that I didn't really do it by myself I might have had the most sort of the biggest spotlight on me Mm -hmm. but it was not all me I mean, if y'all hadn't been there, if the kids hadn't been aching for this space to be, just to be, it would never have happened. But I did recognize that there was a need, a, a big need, you know, and I was like, let's, and it was through a bunch of other people's efforts that this came to me. The lip sync battle was not my idea. There was some liquor rep who was doing it at different restaurants, different clubs in Austin, and they included San Marcos. And when that sort of deal was over, I said, "Chris, let's keep doing this. Can we keep doing this?"
0: Chris Rue being yeah. the original manager, the original
1: GM, you know, who again, like I said, we none of us did this by ourselves. It was a bunch of people coming together at a certain time to make a little move—not a little movement, a huge movement. Especially for this place. For this place that had nothing like it. For for years and years and years and years and years a place for people who were not straight to come and the straights could come as well if they wanted to. It was wonderful, you know, and it's still going. Obviously I'm not a part of it anymore and there's you know all sorts of personal reasons for that. Uh, But I feel like I did my work, you know, and I'm glad that it continues uh, and that it's there for other people uh, because it's bigger than me way and it's important and i'm, I'm glad that it continues uh, and i'm glad you have been able to you know see it through to a point where it could go on
0: we've talked about different waves of stonewall like i think there were probably three maybe two while you were there yeah three i would say um can you mark some of the beginnings and in- well, in the very, very
1: beginning, we
0: it's still, hard to do. It's,
1: it's very hard to do. After that initial <laughs> huge success, you still had to fill, you know, the rest of the nights, you know, and it was a big venue, and it was hard. And I didn't come back to Stonewall until the beginning of February, and Chris gave me a Tuesday night, and I almost said no because I wanted to make more money, and I didn't know about a Tuesday in San Marcos. A Tuesday night is hard anywhere. You know, but in San Marcos, it doesn't have any nightlife or any, you know, you know, LGBT culture so that I thought, you know, but I said yes, and I'm glad that I did, and Tuesday nights became a thing, and like I said, the lip sync battle started. I decided we so should keep this. Who and were some of the early
0: people? The this?
1: earliest people, the earliest queens for Stonewall were Dolson was the first one. She came on that very first night and Bob performed.
0: Dolson if you're listening, bitch.
1: She was the first one. Tasha was soon thereafter. Sister. Um Bull. Um I love Tara. Kiki Banks. Which is where we started, sort of the diversity. Sorry.
0: Yes, it's okay. Um, I'm heading out. Okay. So yeah, if you okay. need anything, Shay can take care of you guys. Okay, cool. I, I think
1: we're just going to finish our craft and our little time, interview. Yeah, time. everything and was amazing. Happen. It's nice to see and you again. Thank you so yeah. much. Oh, it's good to see you too, really. mm-hmm, Enjoy yeah. the rest of your day, guys. Thank you so much you know so there kiki was kiki banks kiki banks they were all the first girls sue? Who started. and then it started that summer with sue and river and and mama for roxy and of course lucille Balls. love her lucille O'Balls. you know lucille i'm and, sorry and then coochie coochie couture and and, and, and and jaded you know like so all of a sudden i could tell there was a lot of girls and there was one night at the end of the summer in 2015 where on a tuesday night 11 drag queens showed up to perform i was like 11 drag queens in san marcus on a tuesday night this is a fucking phenomenon did you say jaded yes, yes okay yeah.
0: jaded and coochie for those of you who don't know i have to give them a special shout out right now because jaded and coochie separately were already a lot But whenever they got together and collaborated for things so much (laughs) it was it was the very most yes yes i to me that was kind of peak stonewall and i think that's kind of around the time i came at the end of that wave i feel well we met that
1: summer officially i think the first time we really really met was that pride at 2015 out of the park I remember we spoke that evening and I was aware of you from social media but we didn't actually meet that first night of Stonewall and and then I think I might have seen you too then after that like at the bar and like I remember approaching you because you're fucking adorable and I was like this kid you know we need him you know and uh, I just knew it and I little the- did I know that you would already influenced so much of that you know as we just talked about but
0: yeah it was uh, like at the first pride march yeah, in san marcus yeah like... that was it
1: was it was actually the second one in 2015. oh really yeah the tw- first one was 2014. um and uh, what was i gonna say um and then right there in the fall of 2015 is when we just got a group of really enthusiastic kids who loved the lip sync battle they weren't necessarily drag queens they were just kids who participated in the lip sync battle part of it, which was for the audience. I was very big on drag queens not competing against each other because we already had that on TV. I thought, let me just have this thing where we have a show and the girls do a theme and then the audience can join in at yeah. the end.
0: The queens perform, the and, audience competes. And
1: then the audience, you know, and the queens judged yeah. rather than everyone judging the queen. You know, and I think that a lot of people thought I missed the mark on that, but I don't care because it created a different type of environment Mm -hmm. for For it not to be necessarily about competition, even though inherently, drag is about competition. And And what were the prices? A lot
0: of oh my god, the prices
1: was like sometimes it was like gift certificates to Joe's Cafe, John the Go, Gumby's. Um, What was the sandwich shop that was over here? Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's, you know, like you know, a a bar, a bar tab. You know, yeah. so those were the, the prizes, you know. It wasn't even, like, a great shakes or anything, you know.
0: It was great, though. Uh, but it
1: was great, you know, and we had fun. And, like, it was a way for the, to keep the audience there until the end of the night, so their friends would listen. You know, it, was, it all worked out, you know, and it was really, really, really fun. And I'd say that yeah. the fall into the spring of 2016 was a really, really, really big deal. It also helped really build a community, too, with those of us who
0: were always there every week.
1: So I remember when we started hanging out outside of the club together in groups, sitting back, and I don't remember whose apartment it was, maybe it was Rivers, and looking at everybody there, and people had become best friends, and that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, we wouldn't have happened otherwise. We wouldn't have met each other like that, and and that that support system. That's why we kind of do what I, I feel like that's more important, that part of it, than like being the most famous drag queen in the world. Yeah, our New York community is having the community. You know, of like-minded individuals to have support and love, camaraderie, friendship, fun, laughter. You know, like that's what—that's really what life is about.
0: You, you know? shouldn't have to have a ten-foot wig and
1: exactly. I mean, that is part the, of drag, and, obviously. And, and three
0: pounds of powder just to feel at home to, with the people exactly, that you're Exactly,
1: exactly, exactly. And that's why the forum of the lip sync battle was open to everybody. You know, we had a. a we had, at the time, we were calling it Faux Queen, our bio queen. Of course, now she's just, they're just, we're just all drag queens, you know. But Kiki Banks was, you know, gave us diversity. And then we got the lady motherfucking Monet, you know, to come and bring it every single week, you know. And the enthusiasm and the dedication that everyone showed to a Tuesday night and the passion theme for the party in San Marcos, Texas is astounding still to this day I'm astounded by it you know so I, I just have to be grateful and you know I got to do that and it was amazing
0: at some other point we'll probably eventually not this episode but another one kind of get into more of the history of Stonewall and how everything changed but you've mentioned before how like your legacy kind of lives on and all the kids that you've helped uh, give birth to that you've opened your loins and cleaned up the afterbirth for. <laughs>
1: and I ruined all those fishnets. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. What was uh, the question? N- nothing. It's just more of with everything opening back up, you're in kind of this new phase of Cheetah. This year, you've been busier than you were all last year. which Kind of. Well, I mean, is- we all are. We all are. We all are, but it's interesting because... To be honest with you, I thought you were kind of done. Like,
1: well, I mean, I've always said this. You know, I know that it's not. I mean, I'm gonna be cheated till the day that I die, and and I imagine myself, you know, being a 70 or however long I go, 80, 90 year old drag queen for some reason. You know, I will, I will definitely cheers, darling. Cheers. It's cheers to that. You know, I
0: cheated will. Cheated till
1: she dies. You know, I may not do it every week. Mother. I may not do it every week or be performing, but it's inside of me it's it's I'm I'm I was born this way for it I didn't do it because I mean maybe I mean obviously I was caught up in a in a a, a, in a wave of RuPaul's success because I started in the early 90s when she became famous and it sort of lit it sort of gave us that Oh, wow, you can be famous if, yeah. by doing this, you know. You don't just have to be in the gate bars. You just know? being in drag on yeah. the sidewalk yeah, of yeah, yeah, New yeah. York and exactly. turning Exactly, you, you can be famous, you know. Yeah. So, yes, I was, I've always been influenced. RuPaul influences all of drag, obviously. You know, thank God for that trailblazer. You know, yes, obviously... There were
0: others before. There
1: were others before, and obviously, you know, she's not without her own controversies, you know. But I think you cannot, you know, deny the impact and the changing of the world that, you know, Rue has helped bring on.
0: Most people who make an impact have their set of controversies.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah you know and i'm gonna just keep going with it i was young i was young when i had desires to cross-dress i was very young it was it was something that was an early instinct for me
0: something you did with aunt ginger right
1: we, ginger was one of the first people like to, that Marcus. i got to explore that with and she, The first drag queens that I saw in real life were because of Ginger, because she took me to the gay bars in Austin. Can you tell us more about Ginger? Ginger, my dearest, dearest and oldest, oldest sister.
0: Is she always Aunt Ginger to everybody? She's Aunt
1: Ginger to anyone who I'm mother to. You know, she's your aunt, because she's my sister. And she's the one who steered me towards this path of, of, of queer nightlife and drag. You know, she took me to the gay bars for the first time where I finally saw these things in, in real life and and uh, that influence is is incredible, you know, and we're still obviously dear, dear dear family, friends, sisters, collaborators, lifelong. She's everything. She's everything. I'm sure she's pissed off at me right now because we haven't talked in about a month, so I'm sure she hates me.
0: And, she's probably uh, nominated for another Emmy. So she'll I think get she over actually it. is because she probably she's, is. she's
1: part of the team for Pose. Yeah. So they got nominated for the Hair Emmy. So she's, I mean, she's she probably, got it for, for another she'll Emmy. Get over it. She's Emmy nominated always, child. She'll, always <laughs> Emmy nominated in my book. God bless M J Rodriguez, um, Emmy. Nominated lead actress in a drama series, just give her the fucking award. Do it. No one was better. No one was better, I promise you. Or else. Or else. (laughs) 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 Cancelled. Emmys are cancelled. No, anyway. So, Ginger is amazing. She didn't start drag until after I did, you know, when she moved to New York and stuff, but she instantly made an impact up there, and I was grateful to have another gig (laughs) that I could always do, because she would book me, and she just did really, really well. And y'all always Um, hung
0: around in San Marcos and Austin. Yeah, we, 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 we used to go
1: to Austin every Friday and Saturday night back in the day, to the to the boathouse it was five dollars to get in they would let you in even if you were if you were cute and a minor you'd get in for 21 so Jesus. I was there five dollar entry fee ten cent well drinks bitch you went with seven dollars and got fucking fucked up got your life dance on the dance floor maybe you got to dance
0: with some cute guy with a big box You know, it was <laughs> fucking
1: awesome so
0: there was like a private or not not really a private, but there was just back.
1: Well, stuff, not not stuff so much. No, no, that wasn't really in Austin. That was more in New York City, where there was back rooms in the club. Yeah. So by the time okay. I had moved to New York City, I was a seasoned, gay well, bar. Well, it was like
0: a go-go club or something, right? Well,
1: I mean, yeah. I mean. In Austin. It, no, in Austin they were just like gay bars, okay. you know, and and in New York you- there was more. There was more of a angled towards, you know, public
0: sex. Was it, <laughs> there was an Was it like Austin had rent boys or something? No, Austin
1: them? had like like porno theaters and things like that. What about
0: that one club that's where um I think it it was called Fuzzies or something?
1: I know that at one point there was a bathhouse in 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 Austin, but it was while I was living
0: in New York City. Okay. already
1: delving into much more seedier environments.
0: <laughs> than I the bathhouse, there in was Austin. there was a club that um we passed that's like pretty close to Barbarella oh there was
1: yes it was called actually Barbarella which is what's the name of? is it Barbarella no it is Barbarella used to be a club called The Crossing Uh and The Crossing was more of a you know black and Latino bar and Jesse would always take me there we kind of would start our evenings there you know, maybe on an off night we would stay there the whole night. You know, and um, I
0: was gonna ask if it was, was a cruising bar, but it everything was very, was kind very cruising. cruising. Right thing.
1: next to it, though, on the corner was a little bar called the Flamingo, where they would have nudie boys. Like guys would kind of strip down to almost naked, and sometimes it would just be like a homeless guy who needed to make some cash. You know, <laughs> but you know, there's nothing that a good shower can't do you know if, especially if show. he's cute i mean if he's homeless he's sometimes you know anyway a night to stay <laughs> why not anyway i wasn't on as many of those nights as my sister ginger was she was a little more of a fervent visitor to these trips of establishment a patron um, she, if you yes, will yes she was she 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 felt a little more passion for <laughs> this sort of thing and I loved it I was there you know but I wasn't there with the frequency as my sister Ginger filthy fucking whore she had a cot in the back <laughs> filthy with <stains>. fucking whore <laughs> stained stained
0: oh my gosh uh, stained so anyway <laughs> you've been here through a couple of different waves um The one that you pointed out, the second one, is most the one that I'm familiar with. Well, that's
1: kind of really when you started, too. Yeah. That was, you were part of that, really, that second wave. Great group of enthusiastic, fun millennials. God bless you guys. And it was was incredible. You know, y'all just were so enthusiastic about it. And we had a theme party on a Tuesday every, every Tuesday night where we dressed in theme yeah, and that's amazing and I modeled that after Jackie 60 which was a Tuesday night party in New York City of legend child and you know the Jackie 60 group still goes on but like that, that's where I got the idea to do the themes you know every, different, every week and y'all took it and ran with it and were great it was great you know Nothing like that was happening on the square. The square here in San Marcos is just, you know, the same bar over and over and over again that just caters to straight culture. So here we were having something really, really, really unique that people couldn't really appreciate because it was just they didn't understand how unique it actually was. You know, it just... And even if there was only 20 people there because there were definitely nights when there was only a few of us who were performing for each other, but it was still magic. Sometimes without a spotlight, with one of the shittiest sound systems you've ever fucking heard in your life, you know, but we still made fucking magic.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And had, like, after parties afterwards, going to Gumby's, and...
1: Yes, the after after the show is always the best time, child. I always say that the drag show doesn't start when you hit the stage and do your five-minute lip-sync number. The drag show starts when you put that first little bit of makeup on, child. If someone's with you, you're doing a show for them. When you step out of the door... When those frat boys see me walking from my car to the club, they're getting a fucking show, and they're welcome.
0: (laughs) When would you say that... um that Mars group came in
1: Mars and her group came in at the end of this into 2016 into the fall of 2016 and then they really shone through in the 2017 that was when their influence on what we were doing there became so strong because yeah. the dedication to the art form and the level was, the professionalism the professionalism was serious of yeah. Serious. Mars. May. Soon after cherry tequila. You know their enthusiasm. Sandy. They're, Sandy of obviously the Sandy, my granddaughter. <laughs> she wasn't really my daughter. She was Mars's first starter. Teen slut. Um, teen drag <sighs> slut. She already had a daughter, so I was a grandmother. Okay. But because you know, when a teenager has a baby, they want to go out and everything, so the grandmother has to raise that child. Exactly. So even though she was my granddaughter, I raised her as so she, she was my own daughter. The grandmother was the
0: baby.
1: <laughs> so yes, this group of girls, you know, really, really then pushed it again, too. And we had stars. We had legitimate stars. It was like the factory, like Andy Warhol's factory. Yeah. We had stars. Honestly, you know? that's, And I created that's, it like that's that. That's so I'm, true. I modeled that on that, on nightlife persona yeah and being stars you know and it wasn't that I was choosing who was the stars the people choose I just recognized it and pushed them forward this is where I'm gonna
0: press you Mm -hmm. I'm gonna press you press me you got critics yes you got critics oh
1: she has favorites well yes i do have favorites the girls who you know did the work who were respectful who lifted their games stepped their motherfucking pussies up yes obviously i liked them they were my favorites because they were going to bring
0: it. And I feel like the emphasis on respect is a thing.
1: Respect your elders, bitch, they know more than you.
0: (laughs) But I feel like a lot of the time, especially now, it kind of seems like a lot of people, I don't want to seem like I'm projecting any which way because this is a thing that goes
1: Don't make me slap you.
0: In communities... uh, I don't want to have to slap you today. Anybody can get slapped. (laughs) Including my mother on this podcast. (gasps) (laughs) Bitch! I remember me and Tasha had this thing where it was like, anybody can get slapped. And I was explaining it to Cheetah one time, and she was like, ain't nobody slapping me, bitch. (laughs) And I was like, Cheetah. (laughs) Bitch! I was like, Cheetah, but that, that goes against anybody. Anybody can get slapped. But... With with the respect part of uh, how girls get recognition and stuff within the club, I think that like a lot of the problem with drag communities everywhere is that there seems to kind of be this thing where it's like the more clout that you have, the more that you can get away with. Or not even necessarily the amount of clout, but the amount of perceived clout. Where it's like, you know, these like people can just act shitty towards each other and still claim to be a part of the community and maybe they are a part of the community in some ways but i feel like a lot of the time my my biggest thing with witnessing stonewall kind of go from this home to this place where music plays is that
1: can we can we just take a quick break right now and say hello to my very very first daughter madeline monroe Kennedy, aka
0: Nix Nova. Who is at the Blue Dahlia where we yes, are running having Blue this Dahlia interview. Right now. Hello, it is I, the infamous <laughs>
1: Madeline Moreau Kennedy. Thank you for letting me be a part of your show. I love you. The first daughter. The very first daughter. I had her like in a moment. I was like, oh my god, I'm pregnant. Here she is. <laughs> it was a, uh, a virgin birth. It was a virgin birth, yes. Immaculate conception. I didn't even get penetration out of it.
0: Damn it. (laughs) But like I was saying, I feel like a lot of communities end up letting um, like patterns of what I feel like would be called in any other kind of community or circumstance abuse in some ways. Well,
1: yeah. I mean there is this inherent competitive there is this inherent competitiveness with drag and i I think it has to stem with stem it comes from some of the testosterone that's involved in it you know Uh, or estrogen or estrogen in some cases (laughs) no and estrogen estrogen you you see that too yeah maybe i'm maybe I'm, i'm not making the right correlation here i don't know but, yes, there is, this,
0: crazy there is
1: this inherent competition, but I think that it really stems from the insecurities that it can create in a person, you know, by trying to be, you know, at a certain level in your drag and all the work that it takes to get there and maybe something's not exactly right for some reason, you know, drag is hard. I've always said this, I think it's one of the hardest artistic endeavors out there there's so much work that goes into it you know and and the fulfillment of it has to actually still come from the inside you know so it it, it can be very difficult so that lends itself to insecurities which I think then lends itself to that cattiness and bitchiness that we have with our other queens especially if someone's like really really doing well and if they have a little bit of a you know a little bit of a stumble you know it's the most insecure people will, you know, seize on seize this. On and I am not going to say that I am not guilty of this as well. It's sort of one of the inherent pitfalls of drag, you know. It's, and, and God bless those who are better at not falling into that pitfall, you know. But I, I do think it's there, and that we all feel it. That's why I have sometimes a hard time when I'm getting ready because I want to be so good and if I feel like I'm not going to achieve that, I get a little crazy, you know? I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? I'm not good enough. This is all bullshit. You know, I mean, for me, I don't know if everyone goes through this, but for me, part of my process is is a point of crisis where I have to cancel. I literally, I was about to say, I've been there for that. There's a point of crisis where I have to cancel. And luckily, sometimes it's like, 20 minutes, Two weeks out, you know. Two weeks out to the event for 20 minutes, I think that I can't do it and have to cancel. Hopefully it's not happening as I'm putting my eyelash on an hour before the number, you know. But there's a point of crisis sometimes, you know. And not sometimes. For me, actually, that is always part of my process. At some point during the getting ready for the gig, I'm going to be like, I can't do it. And then I have to... Get over it. And I don't know why I'm still like this after all this many, many, many years. But I am. And I'm going to own that vulnerability, you know. And
0: that's where I, that's what gets me to the place where I can be my best. I think it's like once you're able to recognize you're mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, like, yes. Like, I forget
1: which... I have to accept that I know that it's going to happen <laughs> and move through it as quickly and as painlessly as possible.
0: I think I remember one... One time where you were just upset about something, and you were like, "I'm just upset, and I'm gonna be upset, and I just need to be." I need to be upset for a little (laughs) bit. Sometimes you
1: gotta feel your feelings. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if it starts to really affect those around you, you have to address that. You know, but you do have to feel your feelings, and there's a delicate balance there of not like tearing everything down. Again, I'm not going to say that I haven't been guilty of, you know, (laughs) failing at that, you know, and and, and succeeding at tearing it all down. I'm not going to lie. I think that's
0: why I I love you so much. It's because, like, I'm usually drawn towards people who don't have any reverence for... um, the notion of civility for how you're supposed to act whenever you're in a certain mood. And that that sounds a lot worse. That makes you sound like a fucking like King Kong of a bitch. But Godzilla. <laughs> or Godzilla, yeah.
1: Or Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> uh, but at the same time with a Sasquatch as well.
0: But I I love that about you because I love that I love people who are unafraid to just exist as how they are without the the weight of other people
1: on them to act a
0: certain way? Listen,
1: I just had a really, really big birthday. And I'm not going to say which one it is, but it's one of those big ones in life where people are like, wow. (laughs) So I have to like kind of own a bunch of things about myself, you know, um, that I, yeah, I'm fallible. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not gonna handle every situation perfectly. And at the end of the day, you know, it's gonna happen. And I'm not a bad person because of it, you know, especially when I recognize that I maybe made a mistake and, you know, and I can own up to it. And, and I know that that's part of life. And, and that's a big part of being happy in life is, is not then beating yourself up for the times that you were less than perfect, you know? Because it's impossible to be perfect all the time. That's 100%, child, 100% (laughs) the truth, what I just told you.
0: Another cheers. Another cheers, child. Thank you. We're on the last bit of. We're this the el- last bit. Elderberry mimosa. The
1: elderberry mimosa was so good and antioxidants, child, and it helps to boost your immune system, darling. The elderberry and, and you're getting drunk
0: and it gets you fucked up.
1: Doctor directorman, It's only like 2:15 in San
0: Marcos, darling. Yep. Pia! And I have to go to work in Which, Is it really two fifteen? Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, I knew it right on the head, child. I can <laughs> tell
1: with the sun. I'm in tune with
0: the world. I was going to say that like, the way that our friendship started off for, for the first part of it, I felt like I was kind of like a biographer of yours. Well, for
1: me, it was instantaneous once we actually met and started speaking. I felt such a familiarity with you as if I had known you all my life. And I had in a way. Yeah. I had in a way. You reminded me of several of my friends that had been my supporters and my team and and, and my confidants. And, and you reminded me of these people that I had known already and like my other life. Greg. Like well, other Greg, other killer, other um, Sharon Peters. I, I knew that you were my people
0: yeah.
1: instantly. And and it was it was done. But it was the first, it was it was when I was also realizing you were my people, but you're also my child, because then we had such an age difference, you know. And I knew that I was a mentor then, and and I didn't know that I was a mentor. I just knew that I was your elder, and. It was very apparent to me when i looked at your skin
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean we really do look related and we do look related and we really do look related
1: (laughs) you know and you recognize your people you recognize your people and i had you know was in the process of creating a platform where i was literally sending out like the bat signal to my people yeah the queer signal to my people like come Huh. Do yeah. a number. Be part of this. What's your gender expression? Great. Do it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Obviously, yes, you're included. Please come.
0: And I think the first time I ever performed was I'm Too Sexy for My Shirt. Yes. That's still a vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I remember after that, we started hanging out a little bit more frequently after stonewall and i would
1: well i remember pretty much like within a couple of months of us really knowing each other i had you be in my bobcat ball number yeah you know like i it was with the first, travis I was too with travis um matthew uh, Matt Wines
0: was in and it. And Christopher Davis. And Christopher Davis. Shout out to Christopher Davis. Love you, Christopher. He, love you, Matt. Who does the intro for the Grego show? He makes a lot of. He gave me his whole discography. Oh, really? To use for like intros and interviews and everything. We love screaming all color.
1: Christopher Lane Davis's
0: talent and a beauty and energy literally. and love. He is the sunlight that is shining through.
1: Child, child, electricity.
0: Yes. Love him.
1: And he stepped in the day of. Yeah. To do that number because the other dancer, JJ, couldn't do it for some personal reasons. There were some things going on. Yeah. And we needed a fill in last minute. He learned the choreo that day. He was in it that did night. It. And we did it, you know? And, and so you became. And, but I think right before that, we had already done a number two. Or we were about to do it. We did another number together, really. So you've been one of my earliest in Stonewall collaborators of numbers. You're like yeah. my. You're part of my crew for sure. The we, early did, ones. we did. We um, did. It was the um, Dearly Departed, and I did Back to Black. Yeah. And you you you've actually played this role in a few numbers where you're like my butler assistant. You know, yeah. like you take care of Norma Desmond basically. <laughs> you're my, you know. Uh.
0: <laughs> the brown person with the tray.
1: Well, I'm brown too. But you know, but, but you know, you that was that's sort of like a like a part yeah. and, and a narrative of some of the numbers that I do sometimes that. I'm a woman, I'm Norma Desmond.
0: And, and <laughs> I do remember what the Bobcat Ball one, I think that was like a week after I had met you. Cause I remember- It thinking, was fairly
1: shortly. It was it really was shortly, shortly, I remember. Yeah. Cause I
0: was like, wow, like- But I knew, but I knew yeah.
1: because of the friends that I had, that I had made in New York City, that were still my friends, that, that I saw and sensed that energy in you. And I knew that you would go with me on my little you know, adventure of this number. And I'm gonna
0: use this as another opportunity to brag about how I'm your favorite because I've actually met some of your uh, old friends from New York. Yeah, We went to New York together to Fire Island. I met the original Greg. You were there with the family. I met Greg where...
1: Greg Wegweiser who was a dear supporter and dearest, dearest friend still to this day. Such a sweetheart. Such a sweetheart, made my outfit, took care of me when i could not take care of myself
0: yeah mm-hmm. i mean lovely dude and i remember we were all smoking <laughs> at his house uh, and there was a hyena a, oh, oh my god we were so it was so high fucking high and then there was a point while i was super stoned where i was like holy shit i feel like i'm there back in the day, in the day like smoking and hanging out with you Well, y'all. you
1: came to the place where wow, yeah, all those where things it, happened. Yeah, where it happened.
0: You know, you, you were there. You and were, then, like, we've had the experience of going to Fire Island together, but another one that I think is even more... Do you remember that night when we met Justin at Jerry's?
1: Yeah. Monet Exchange was in that drag show wow. that we saw she yeah. was just she wasn't hosting she was just doing a number she had already filmed her season Yeah. and she was just there, there in her kitten wig and a sequin jumpsuit which I hope to find and steal <laughs> you know she, it, this is before the fucking you know um, sque- what was the dress made out of the spongy dress and yeah. before she's the all star winner before she was on the bachelorette on Monday looking yeah. so gorgeous in the sunlight yeah. her scenes were shot in the sunlight and she looked at flawless But she was there that night, too, when we were at Fire Island with Justin. Mm
0: Yeah. I was going to say another moment that I feel like we shared together that might have been more important than meeting everybody and going to Fire Island was uh, running away from the rats. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Over there on the... uh...
1: We were on the east side, on yeah. the east side, on the river. And Was that the Brooklyn? Rats were No, no, we were in Manhattan. Manhattan. We were in Manhattan over in those, those parks on the east side, you know, like <laughs> under the Manhattan Bridge. You know, I remember the, seeing... There were big rats, I we, remember were running, saying, we were running, we were running.
0: Two rats at first, then it became four, then it became nine, and then 13, all in one trash can. And the way that we ran, just, I... Sissies. I had to hop the fuck up out of there. Screaming sissies running. Those rats were like the size of chihuahuas. They were fucking huge.
1: And you know, that's what's so special about, like, you know, when you were there in New York with me and you met these people who were part of the origins of Cheetah and who are still my friends to this day, to have the worlds cross over. Yeah meant to me it was a sign of that you're doing something right you're 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 bridging gaps you're bringing things together you're making connections and and you're changing lives yours included those around you and and that's really what my drag journey is about it is not about being the most famous drag queen in the world as was really my intention in the beginning you know and, and it's not anymore. My intention is to keep going. I have no end game. I just want to keep going and producing and, and being there. If I make, you know, $50 for a number and 20 bucks in tips, I'm there. If I make $1,000 or $1,500 or someone flies me to some exotic place and sets me up, I'm there. You know, if I end up on TV, you know, with an Emmy award, I'm there. You know, I, I don't have an end game for this. It's about it,
0: the experiences. It's about the
1: experiences. It's about I'm just gonna keep going. It's about my outfits. <laughs> <laughs> it is about fashion too, child. You know, and it's about bringing back the love, as Madeline said earlier. My my beloved my beloved Nick's Nova bringing back the love, you know, and also going through, you know, a bunch of different experiences with people, ups and downs, falling out, you know, coming back together, being stronger, being vulnerable, being wrong, um, learning, growing, and that's really what I'm most interested in, um in this life that I have created for myself up to this point. These many, many years that I have been here, and I hope to be here many, many, many more years and to be having these sort of energy exchanges with amazing people like you, you know, who is my family, and seeing where all of that is going to go and take me. And us, not just me, but us.
0: Us, yeah. Mm -hmm. Jita, thank you so much for doing this with me.
1: It was a lovely lunch on a Thursday afternoon in San Marvellous, Texas, here at the Blue Dahlia. I Wasn't it you. fabulous? They have gluten-free bread here, by the way. <laughs> <if you
0: think. laughs> I love you so much. Thank I adore, you I adore,
1: I adore. Thank you so much. Thank you for
0: finally having me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so happy that you became relevant again with I know, the I know, because you're like, people, why am I going to interview tell this Tell the people bitch. what you're up to.
1: Well, right now, what we have going on is San Marcos Pride here in San Marvelous, Texas. It's going to be September 11th. There's going to be a parade, there is going to be a day event at the park. Um, and It's going to be a drag a palooza sort of wig stock, if you will. There's going to be performances all Day long from all of the people in San Marcos who have made this thing happen. Or I'm my gonna Baytown be there. folks
0: that are listening. Yeah, too.
1: Baytown, come on to San Marcos. Child, we want New Braunfels. We want Austin. We want everyone to come out and have a great time with us. Because Pride is wherever you are, honey. It's wherever you are every day of the year. Get up, go outside. It's Pride.
0: Daniels Kennedy, thank you so much. Mother, I love you.
1: It's a pleasure. I love you.
0: There we go. That's the interview with my mother, Gina Daniels Kennedy, if you can't tell. I get a lot of shit from her. A lot of shit. Um, We're going to have a shindig of a time on September 11th. Happy anniversary of that, by the way. But yeah, it's going to be super fun. If you're in San Marcos or if you want to come to San Marcos, come and check out San Marcos Pride. It's going to be really, really fun. I can't wait to see a bunch of my drag family. It's gonna be like a big drag family reunion. So I can't wait. Hope you guys are having a wonderful time. Check out the show notes for anything. Hope you're staying safe. Make sure you're still wearing a mask because people out here are fucking hooligans. Protect yourself. Protect your families. Bye. So, anyway, so anyway, so anyway, so anyway. Music by Screaming Color.
1: I don't who you're fucking talking about. <laughs> That's not my name. <laughs> uh...